This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. Over a storied five-decade career in American journalism, George F. Will has attempted to discern the principles of the Western political tradition and apply them to our civic life. Pulitzer Prize-winning syndicated columnist based at the Washington Post, television commentator, author of more than a dozen books, Will has been called perhaps the most powerful journalist in America by the Wall Street Journal. Now Will has written his most expansive, most passionate, and vital book, The Conservative Sensibility, takes readers back to the founder's vision. Articulated first in the Declaration of Independence and carried out in the Constitution, which gave the new republic a framework for government unique in world history. Their beliefs in natural rights, limited government, religious freedom, and in human virtue and dignity ushered in two centuries of American prosperity. But in the intellectual battle between the vision of founding fathers like James Madison, who advanced the notion of natural rights that pre-exist government, and the progressivism advanced by Woodrow Wilson, the founders have been losing. It's time to reverse America's political fortunes. George F. Will writes a twice-weekly syndicated column on politics and domestic and foreign affairs for the Washington Post. He began his column with the Post in 1974, and he received the Pulitzer Prize for commentary in 1977. He is also a regular contributor to MSNBC and NBC News. His 14 previous books include One Man's America, Men at Work, and Statecraft to Soulcraft. Will grew up in Champaign, Illinois, attended Trinity College and Oxford University, and received a Ph.D. from Princeton. Happy to have George Will join me now here on Speaking of Writers. George, welcome to this program. Thanks for having me. The Conservative Sensibility, George, is your first new book in five years, and the first you've written about politics in over a decade. Why did you write this book now? Well, I, several reasons. I think the country feels that the conservative tradition is, uh, has lost its shape and meaning for most people, and uh, it's time to articulate the distinguished intellectual pedigree and the contemporary analytic powers of the conservative sensibility, and also because I think uh, something's gone terribly wrong with the uh, institutional equilibrium that Madison bequeathed us in our constitutional architecture, and that uh, my progressive friends have a stake in restoring that equilibrium that they didn't appreciate until recently, if I may say so, which is to say uh, Woodrow Wilson, the first president to criticize the American founding, did so thoroughly. He rejected the separation of powers, celebrating the idea of a presidential government with more and more power concentrated in Washington and more and more Washington power concentrated in the presidency. And for a while, uh, progressives adhered to this, and they assumed, I think, that most presidents would be progressives. Teddy Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Lyndon Johnson, now, however, they are having their minds concentrated on the fact that occasionally uh, someone inimical to the progressive interest is going to occupy this swollen, enormously powerful, and essentially untethered institution of the modern presidency, and they're not happy. You recently said that conservatism is a persuasion without a party and that it will find new advocates. As you survey the American landscape today, George, is there anyone you see who may emerge as that very advocate? If so, who might that be? It might, it's probably a little early to say this because we have to decide whether this the four-year presidential term we're currently in is an aberration or part of a pattern. But there are people out there. I'll name you two. As a, as a cultural conservative and someone who understands 
such phenomena as The Vanishing American Adult, which he's written a book about. I think Ben Sass of Nebraska, a senator in his first term, uh, who's a Yale history PhD and, and quite learned and, and sensible. He, when he was first elected uh, six years ago, five years ago, he uh, said he had one request. He wanted to sit at Senator Pat Moynihan's desk, which he now does. Mm-hmm. But that indicates uh, to me the the, the seriousness of, of, of Ben Sass. As, as you know, Pat Moynihan was one of my closest friends and uh, is a recurring figure in, in the conservative sensibility. Another person I would mention who hasn't appeared on many people's political radar screen is Senator Pat Toomey, a Republican of Pennsylvania, who's very good about trying to get Congress to claw back powers appropriate to the first branch of government, the Article I branch. Congress has recklessly, and I think unconstitutionally, uh, divested itself of powers vested in it by the Constitution and given them to presidents. Congresses controlled by both parties have done this. Presidents of both parties have been recipients of this power to the point that we now have today uh, presidents wielding virtually unlimited war powers. The last time Congress declared war was a long time and many wars ago. It was actually the 5th of June, 1942, and they declared war on Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria. Uh, Presidents today impose tariffs, which are taxes, without Congress's involvement under powers granted by Congress. And uh, Today, presidents can take, uh, declare an emergency and take money appropriated for one purpose and use it for a completely different purpose. This is an unhinged, untethered office now, and I think it's uh, it, it's alarming, and progressives should share this alarm. My guest is George F. Well. His new book is The Conservative Sensibility. George, you mentioned Daniel Patrick Moynihan, your late friend. In Chapter 6, you quote him, who said, The central conservative truth is that it is culture, not politics, that determines the success of a society. Politics lays downstream of culture. What concerns you, George, about the future of American politics given today's culture? Well, to have a healthy society with limited government, you have to have people well-equipped to cope without being constantly wards of the government. And what worries me most is what Pat Moynihan, when he was in 1965, when he was a 38-year-old social scientist in Linda Johnson's Labor Department, first brought to the national consciousness, and that is family disintegration. Forty uh, percent of all American first births today are out of wedlock. And listen to this number, because it's jolting. A majority of American mothers under 30 are not living with the fathers of their children. Mm. Now, we know what this means. I, I'm a father of uh, four children, three of them boys. I've, having raised three boys, I know that the whole purpose of civilization is to to civilize adolescent males. And when you have a large number of uh, adolescent males without fathers in the home, you have chaos, chaos in neighborhoods, chaos in schools. And uh, we don't know what's caused this. We don't know how to fight it, but we'd better start working on it. George Will is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. His new book is The Conservative Sensibility. As you wrote, Statecraft as Soulcraft, followed up by Restoration in 1993. In both books, you write about conservative principles as applied to government. Over 25 years later, this book, The Conservative Sensibility, bursts on the scene. George, would you consider this work a kind of final piece in the trilogy? (laughs) 
Yeah, but I hate the word final <laughs> because it, it sounds valedictory and as though I'm going somewhere. I have no intention of going anywhere. But yes, it is a summation. It's uh, it's the result first of uh, my response to the current discontents in the country. Before that, it's the result of 50 years of observing Washington. Prior to that, it's a sort of continuation of themes I had in my doctoral dissertation, which was called Beyond the Reach of Majorities, an examination of what majorities should rule and what they should not rule. But beyond that, as you said in your introduction, I was born and raised in central Illinois, which is Lincoln country. I was marinated in the spirit of Lincoln. And the... uh, Local lore in Champaign County is that Lincoln was in the Champaign County Courthouse when he, traveling the circuit as a lawyer, when he learned of the passage of the Kansas-Nebraska Act, in which its author Stephen A. Douglas, the senator from Illinois, said what we should do to solve the problem of whether or not to expand slavery into the territories is submit it to a vote. Popular sovereignty in the territories would solve this. Lincoln's recoil against this against the idea that we would submit to a vote the question of whether one set of human beings could own another, uh, his recoil against this launched the greatest career in the history of world politics, that of Lincoln. Was Madison the most important founder? I think he was in the sense that uh, Jefferson supplied our vocabulary, Hamilton supplied the sinews of a central government, George Washington, of course, no George Washington, no the United States. It's that simple because we would not have won the Revolutionary War without him. But as the architect of our constitutional architecture, particularly the separation of powers, uh, Madison is without peer. You know, I, I trained and got my doctoral dissertation intending to teach and did briefly at several universities, teach political philosophy, and I am convinced that uh, after Aristotle, the most subtle, um, the most relevant, the most useful political philosopher is James Madison. You designate John Marshall as the third most important American. What's his relevance today? Well, his relevance gets more apparent every day. If you're going to have a written constitution, you have to have judicial review, which he more or less invented, and certainly he planted and... and, uh, achieve broad public acceptance of the idea that the Supreme Court uh, could lay the works of a popularly elected legislature next to the Constitution and say that the work of the legislature does not accord with that and must be overturned. This is what some people have called the counter-majoritarian difficulty of the Supreme Court in our system, but it seems to me it is a dereliction of duty when the Supreme Court does not overturn Majorities. The question really is, the conservative sensibility says America is about a condition, liberty. The progressive sensibility says America is about a process, majority rule. And I think that uh, uh, the reason I rank as in my conservative sensibility John Marshall so highly is that uh, he said it's about a condition and the condition requires, liberty requires judicial review. 
George Will is my guest here on Speaking of Writers, and the book is The Conservative Sensibility. You dedicate a chapter in the book, George, on talents for praising and for pessimism. I think you've described yourself as a cheerful pessimist. And <laughs> recently you gave an address at Princeton. There you dug a bit deeper into the aims of education. You spoke about the default position of Americans being rage. Why are Americans so angry today, George? I have no idea because, well, I have some idea, but basically the puzzlement is in the 20th century, good Lord, we saw people angry because some were communists and some were fascists and some were socialists, and they'd go into the streets and you'd have mobs deciding who would go and who would not go to concentration camps. The stakes of politics were inordinately and, and, and horrifyingly high. We have no such argument in this country. I don't know why people are so furious about the comparatively minor differences between us. You can be for Medicare for all or, or single payer or health savings. Who, I mean, these are all positions intelligent men and women of goodwill can adopt, but they're not, they shouldn't be matters of screaming fury. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to figure out. But I do think these episodes, and we've had them before, uh, leave, leave little burnt over areas in American history, and we calm down after them. We expect someday a new book on a collection of columns, perhaps all that you've written about President Trump, who you argue, argue outside of the book, is really a progressive masquerading as a conservative. Well, he, he certainly is not a conservative. I mean, someone who's an avid protectionist, uh, government hardly gets more bossy and big than it does when it's telling the American people what they can buy in what quantities and at what prices. Uh, he's constantly trying to get uh, companies to, as he says, repatriate their supply chains, move to a, move from, say, Mexico back to the United States. This is a kind of economic planning that we associate with socialism. Uh, the president's gearing up to run against the Democrats as socialists, but this is a president who just oversaw the reauthorization of the Export-Import Bank which exists to allocate capital to favored corporations. If that isn't something re resembling socialism, I don't know what is. In my remaining minutes here with George Will, the book is The Conservative Sensibility. George, what would you like readers to take away from this book? I'd like them to take away, first of all, the exhilaration of political argument in the United States. We argue uh, constantly. If you don't like argument, you pick the wrong country. And we argue often in litigation, in Supreme Court cases, so I'd like them to understand that. I'd like them also to appreciate the remarkable forthrightness and equally remarkable success of the progressive overthrow of the founders' vision of A, natural rights, and B, limited government that natural rights presuppose, and C, uh, the... Uh, emancipation of the presidency as a result of overthrowing the separation of powers. And I would like them to be intelligently alarmed <laughs> about these developments. But most of all, I would hope that progressives, conservatives, whatever, that they'd see just how much fun politics can be when you're arguing about serious matters. And last question, I've got to ask you about baseball, too. The last time we talked uh, years ago, you were just hoping for the Cubs to have a good season. Was November 3rd, 2016, the happiest day of your life? Uh, I, I shouldn't say that or, or my wife would, would uh, be displeased. <laughs> uh, 
but it was a it was a real happy night when uh, after 108 years of waiting the cubs won the world series george well the book is the conservative sensibility thank you so much for joining me thanks for having me i enjoyed it very much and this is speaking of writers and that's capital region sunday a production of town square media albany for this week thank you for listening we'll be back again next week with another edition i'm steve richards